Oh, yeah. Everybody good now? Welcome to Church and Other Drugs. Uh, my name is Jed. I'm Andrew. There we go. So you get it. Most people, not most people, but a lot of people will just sit there in stunned silence. Like, oh. Okay. Well, we've done this before. We have. So you're well-versed. Uh, y'all remember Andrew from a couple episodes back? Um, I wanted to have him back. So he's yep. back. We got and I wanted to come back. I love this uh, podcast. And um, so... Jed, before we like dive into topics, as a recap, I wanted to tell you a quick story. Uh, so we did the podcast, and um, it was awesome. Uh, for me, it was great. I, mean, I don't know what it was like for the listeners, but uh, one listener in particular reached out to y'all. And since then, I have been like corresponding with this person. And I'm not going to use their name. You know who you are. Um, Basically, he reached out to y'all. You put him in touch with me, and he was—he is a extremely smart, extremely well-versed uh, guy who, pre- you know, previously went to seminary and, and then kind of—I devi- guess he got oversaturated or something happened, and he found himself without God and questioning everything. And uh, so, when I got this email, he was pretty much like, "I'm a determinist and I'm an atheist," and. I want to talk to you because I'm trying to figure out a way, you know, is there any way I can get back? And I'm not going to just, it's not like I had this like overwhelming, you know, desire to know Christ, but I have a desire to know something. I don't know what it is, whatever. There's some void. And um, as a result of this podcast, we have been going back and forth with these novellas. It's like extremely long. Uh, yeah, I was telling John, at this point, I'm going to... With it, with or without without your permission, I'm gonna print it off as a book because it's no shit at this point. It's got to be like six, like sixteen pages or something. Like it's it's, it's a awesome. lot. Yeah, it's good. I've just been like, but it's so rich. I yeah, mean, like, I know. it's he is so intelligent, and keeping up with him is challenging. Um, and so like I'll read his emails, and I'll sit there. And I don't respond immediately. Like I sit there and I, I think about it because I'm like, man, that's a pickle in a pinch. How do I, how do I respond to whatever it is? And in order to do that, I have to, I mean, I'll just tell you, like I have to go and, and periodically, like I have to research something mm-hmm. and, and then really ask myself like, all right, well, I've, I've, I've researched this before, but I haven't had to think about it in this way yet. And so it's been great to kind of test me and, and, and help me understand my faith better. And um, I think it's been good for him. I, I do. Think- I was going to say, I think it's re- the coolest part is I don't know that he ever necessarily would have even like gone down this road of questioning or even like thought about it. And it's just really cool that he, that this podcast helped facilitate that. It's just pretty yeah. pretty neat. Yeah, I agree. So that's a success story. If there's, if there are many success stories associated with this podcast, um, but that is certainly one of them. And so we'll put that. I mean, stay tuned. I think that we'll have a lot more to talk about uh, yeah. with that over the course. And in fact, at some point, it might even be cool yeah. to have us both on. Yes. To, uh, like our to like almost yes, yes, yes. No, no. That's actually that. That's that's the idea. So um, if you listen to this episode. Let me know what you think, uh, guy who shall not be named until you can tell us that we can say your name. I can't even remember if he did or not, but I'll just assume that he didn't. Uh, yeah, I think that'd be awesome. That'd be and, a good one. And so that we're not like singling out one person, what's the, the topic is effectively like how can – if you know for the purpose of tonight, uh, Jed and I were talking ahead of time and thinking about all right, what are we going to talk about, and it was really – Jed, go ahead and, and tell the listeners about the experience you had, and then we'll tie it back to atheism and relapse. And there's a number of different like little finger, you know, uh, subtopics that will, will come off yeah. of this. Yeah, prayer has been coming up a lot lately, and I listened to a podcast recently where a gentleman came on and basically um, – crapped all over the idea of I guess he was specifically talking about prayer for healing or interventionary prayer I don't even know if it was intercessory but like praying for God to change things and how that's just like worthless and useless and that just is not how God operates like maybe it was even kind of open theistic um 
where the idea that God is limited in his power and, or he's self-limiting or something. And I just, just, just based on my own history the whole time, I'm just like, uh, I don't agree to that at all. And that doesn't make sense. And it seems like that's completely opposite to what the Bible said. But then, <clears throat> um, in my own life lately, prayer's just been really weird, and I've, it seems like I've been on a really long tear of struggle. Um, in what as, way? Well, work is tough. I guess I guess it's not even, in the grand scheme of things, it's still not really a, that bad, but it's just things have kind of been the same, and it's... I feel like I'm going through a time of, so like I left my job um, to pursue what I thought, what I still think God wants me to do, which is like counseling or whatever. Took a massive pay cut to do that. And so it's just been hard, you know. Um, I knew that that was coming, but it's still, and then even after that, my the place I'm working at has been going through some struggles and um, keeping it full and it's just been tough and it's just a lot of if this is the seed sowing time or whatever like I have yet to really reap and so it's just like it's just tough I don't know I don't really know how to explain it other than it's just tough God seems distant God seems a little quiet um my prayers seem to be to myself it seems like I'm talking to myself more it seems like I haven't been really able to hear god as much i don't know it's all very like i can't even really think of good like practical examples it's just like kind of a hazy time so Um, it's interesting because one of the things that like going back to that email exchange is that and i think that this is probably applicable for a lot of people it's been applicable for you me i mean i think everybody everybody that's a christian probably has dealt with this when we pray like, what are we praying for, and what is our expectation? And in uh, my small group, we were talking about this sort of tangentially, but, you know, how does everyone pray? Because you have some people that, that are, they, they pray for things. And I, I don't know, I, the prosperity kind of thing, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how effective that is. Um, but getting like getting back to what you were just saying, Jed, about um, in this season where you're transitioning from to and you have made sacrifices because for any number of different reasons and you are trusting that God's got a plan and you're not privy to it. How do you know if God's listening? Is that effect? Does that sort of wrap it all up? Or how do you kind know how God's, like influencing you in your life or or whatever? Yeah, I I guess I'm realizing I don't even know what I'm expecting. Like, it, it, it's just I haven't had many spiritual highs lately. Maybe that's really what I'm lamenting, and it, it's just been nose to the ground kind of. It's all faith right now. Like, I'm just living my life assuming that what I am doing is what God wants me to do, and that I guess if I'm honest, you know, I still keep that, you know, it's just like, I'm doing the Lord's work, and one day I'm just going to be rewarded in this life or the next or whatever, because it's, it's just, it's trudgy right now. That's uh, Yeah, I think that's right in line with what we were talking about before, which is, uh, if I had to pose it, what's the difference between God's will and self-will? And how can I we... I feel like tr- there's a big difference. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, absolutely. There's a huge yeah. difference. But... um. I too have been going through. This has been a really hard year for me, and, uh, and it, but it's also been uh, professionally. It's been a very challenging year. Um, in some ways, it's been very great. In other ways, it's been not so great. But a lot of it's my perspective, right? Yeah. So it's real easy on days where, like, when I when I was first getting sober, I got sober in Atlanta, and um, there's an old guy <clears throat> from the hills of North Carolina, Gene D, and he, I would go to this men's meeting. It, um, on Thursday nights and I come in and him, I, I'd have supper with him and, and, um, you know, they'd ask me, you know, how you doing? I'm like, I had a bad day. 
and I'd say it a fair amount because in early sobriety, I was just on, you know, and, um, Gene eventually said, you know, Andrew, have you ever thought that you did not have a bad day? The day had a bad you. And he was just being sort of funny, tongue in cheek, but it stuck with, it stuck with me. The day doesn't change. Yeah. Right. But my perspective can. And so, mm, um, applying that to kind of the topic, I think it's really easy to forget, or at least the trust, the faith part, which is what we talked about, I think, loosely before in previous podcasts. Sometimes the expectation that we have as Christians or as just spiritual beings wanting to be in constant contact, it it will manifest itself differently. You know, um, and I think that sometimes self will takes over without us even knowing. It's not like self will manifest as it manifests itself in like arrogance and in disregard. It's that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how easy it is to allow yourself to get wrapped up in the in the day to day stuff, right? And it's you know like in the morning I pray and I meditate and I find read more recently that after I meditate I'm good for a little bit but at some point the day like I get engaged in the day and it's time to do my job it's time to you know meet with my employees it's time to talk to my wife you know it's time to you know hang out with the kids um, you know it's time for me to be a father all these things, and the consistent part about that is me, I, you know, my stuff, my life. And unless I take pause to be mindful, and I know that's kind of a cheesy word these days, but I'm going to use it anyway because it's, it's applicable. To be mindful that I can't do anything without God. And that conscious contact requires me to take pause and seek it otherwise i it's really easy for me to take my, my will back and yeah. i'm i'm guilty of it i think everybody is i mean we and we were talking earlier about relapse in my in my neck of the woods i've had a number of different people close to me relapse one of whom is they're both the two guys. Uh, one of them is a. They're both chronic relapsers. One of them is. I, I, I'm terrified for. I mean, because there's no. There doesn't seem. I guess there's. I hate to say constitutionally incapable of being honest with himself, but there does seem to be some of that. And I'm not going to take his inventory, and you know, and I'm certainly not going to mention his name, but. We've talked about it at length, and and the other guy, same thing. He's doing great. You know, he'll get thirty days, sixty days, ninety days relapse. Thirty mm-hmm. days, sixty days, ninety days relapse. And I'm like, what happened, man? And he's like, oh, this. I just had a bad day, and like, I found myself in the truck driving to this place that he, you know, where he goes and he does his thing, and he disappears. What was this thing? Crack. Ooh, yeah, that's a monster. Mm-hmm. And the other guy is, yes, I mean, anything. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yes. I mean, that was me, though, for the longest. I mean, that was me for a solid decade. How um, did you get sober? I'm sure you've told I don't me. know. Like, how, like, tell, okay, so, for those who don't understand, like, what happened, and then I'm going to pick at it. Yeah, so my last time, uh, well, yeah, I guess this is, this is, poignant yeah because i just made four years on the 23rd that's huge man yeah that is- i know it's crazy that's and that's what's funny yeah yeah things are good and and all bullshit aside yeah things are great um so at this point this is just relapse after relapse um the only I didn't really have I had outside consequences but they weren't pressing like i was living in my car uh, my girlfriend, <laughs> my wife now, um, you know, we were just shooting dope. Uh, we would go, uh, fly a sign by the interstate to get money. Um, just beg. And then we'd get enough money for gas. And then we'd drive to Walmart and steal Blu-rays and sell them 
at FYE, and then that's all we really did. That was that was it. So, um, the last straw for me was I tried to steal from one of my last good friends that still hung out with me, like a brother. Like, yeah, uh, like I've you know I have stolen from a lot of people in my life, but this one it was like. You know, like when he confronted me, he was just crying. It wasn't like anger, and it was just like, "Oh my god!" Like I am a piece of trash. Um, and I had an experience of the, my last night using this guy I met at a previous rehab. Um, had like like nine hundred dollars in counterfeit hundred dollar bills, so we just drove around to all my drug dealers and just ripped them off. Um, and then I was, I found myself in some meth cooks, uh, basement and we, I guess we were smoking meth and shooting heroin. And I guess I passed out at one point, but I remember, I haven't, I don't think I've told this story, but I remember having this intense, I was, I guess I had fallen asleep, but I was in the room and I was looking at myself and I looked at my friend and I saw just this like. It was him, but it was more like a demonic entity face thing just jump out at me, and it woke me up, and I was just like, you know, I just felt the overwhelming sense of impending doom, and I'm in hell. Like, there was no AC in there. It was summer. It was hot, and I was just like, this is like something bad is going to happen, and we had planned to go use the counterfeit money at a store the next day and I canceled that and I called and I was like, I need to go to rehab like right, 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 right now. And I drove to rehab in Lafayette. Um, and I just checked in. I didn't think it was going to work. It was just another time in rehab and that was just it. Um, what did happen while I was in there was I did have another intense spiritual experience where I, ask Jesus and the Holy Spirit back into my life and I remember being in my top bunk and I had this dream where I got woken up out of it it felt like um it felt like a like a coke can sized object hit me in the chest and corkscrewed and I physically bounced on the on the mattress and it woke me up out of my dream and yeah, I haven't, I, can't, I forgot, oh. I, I never told this story. Um, and then I felt different after that. I really kind of did. And things were going good. My girlfriend, my wife got out of treatment and then she called me and broke up with me while I was in treatment. So I went outside and I punched the wall and I broke my hand and... <laughs> <laughs> And they had just, I was at a point in treatment where they gave me my driver's license back and I was like, fuck this. I'm going to the hospital. I'm getting some pain pills. That's, that's a wrap. And I had a moment of clarity where it was like, oh wow. So that's how fragile your sobriety is that that's all it took. And you're willing to throw this all away one more time. And so I just went in my room and, uh, tearfully prayed, just cried out to God. I was just like, I need help. And I, that's kind of what I put on my uh, pinpoint as like my turning point was then. And eventually, you know, obviously my, my girlfriend came back and we got married. Um, that's and then I just did. Then I just you know I moved into a sober living house and I just did the the program. Um, and I just did a lot of things differently this time. I didn't. I tried not to look at porn. I tried not to like the differences in what I got sober this time is like, I wasn't um, using women anymore because I had a stable relationship. Um, We weren't living together. I just did a lot of things differently. And I was a lot more terrified of relapsing. Um, Yeah. That's really what started that. So, That's sort of the burning bush experience. Yeah. What happened, like, when you hit your knees and you're like, after you came into contact with, obviously, a power greater than yourself in the form of a wall, what, um, yeah. 
when you hit your knees and and, and after you sort of recognize how like the fragility, how fragile your sobriety was, what what was the response? I mean, was there a response or emotionally, spiritually, whatever? Like, how did it change your desire to go use or did it? It did. It just I mean, all and a lot of my prayer is focused around changing and even still today, it's focused around literally supernaturally changing the way I feel. Like, I try to use it for anxiety and depression, and it's literally like, God, I cannot handle feeling this way. Like, I need you to change it. I need you to fix this. Um, and usually it'll be like I'll go to sleep and wake up with a different mindset. Um, I don't know. It just <laughs> well, This is also, it, was it me that saying this in my head or not, but... The prayer at that time was focused on, I can't do this without Kaylee. And I heard God say, she'll come back. You're fine. Like, she will come back. I, I, you know, I don't know. Was that me? Who knows? Um, was it God? Who knows? I just said, okay. And, and for some reason, I was able to trust it and just move on from there. Um, and then I just started following orders. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just... <laughs> I did what people said, and it really was, well, this, I've had times before, like when I went to prison and had spiritual experiences, that is the only time in my life that God has plucked the desire to use away from me, and I did not want to use at all, even a little bit. If that's the case, then why did you subsequently use? Uh, In that scenario, um, I got super addicted to porn. I was sleeping around and being a general piece of crap, and um, it snuck back in. I started abusing caffeine first. I, I, I did no maintenance work whatsoever. I because I was the obsession was lifted from me. I was like, I'm not going to a meeting. Like it's like, oh yeah, like all y'all need AA. Like I'm good. <laughs> I was such a cocky, cocky, arrogant pos about it, and yeah, and I paid for it so i I mean i I don't have a lot of experience or any experience with relapse um i was talking to my sponsor about it and you're talking about the recidivism rate and the the frequency with which somebody comes in picks up a white chip and stays sober is like extremely it's so rare and but and I you know in I'll, January first, God willing, and the creeks don't rise. I'll have sixteen years, and I was reflecting on that, going how, how because there have been some horrible things that have happened, um, and I did not always deal with them in the most like spiritually sound way. I did not have a burning bush experience. My my understanding and of God has been uh, uh, almost a 41 in November to be 41 year evolution. Um, you know, I, I started, you know, I, I was introduced to, to church when I was as young as I can be. And, but I had no understanding of it. I was just, okay. In fact, yeah. at that time, God was Santa Claus. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, as I got older and learned more, then it just became. I, I was. I was like, "This is, this is really insane. <laughs> this is crazy." I just want to make sure that I understand this. Collectively, we think that there's a God who created everything, who knew everything, and He predestined everything and foreknew everything, and then He so He puts a man on Earth. Um. And go, and then suddenly it occurs to him he might need somebody else, and so he just plucks a rib out, and poof, there's a woman, and he's like, "All right, don't eat from the tree," and they go and do it, and then original sin is born, and God is wrath. At that point, you know, God's like, "I told you not to do it," I mean, you did, and but he already knew that they were going to do it, right? right. This is the whole like. But it's cool because I'm gonna send myself to save you from myself. Yeah. So stay. So so hold <laughs> on. It gets better. Then he's like, I'm gonna save my son, and he's gonna die for you. 
so that you will glory me. If this was any other narrative, this would be crazy. Crazy. Uh, really crazy. Yeah. So then Christ comes, he dies, and then he is resurrected. So now, like, we are in... Now we're in zombie territory. Right. I mean, now just... So, <laughs> like, when you put it this way, it becomes progressively more sort of crazy. And I just completely rejected it. I was like, how can how can y'all, like, make fun of Scientology? Yeah. It's a good point. <laughs> right? Like, I don't know much about Scientology, uh, except that... Uh, an evil warlord came and took some souls and like a dropped him in a volcano. I don't know. I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend like I know. So I mean, like, that's, that's close. Yeah. An evil warlord named Xenu. Is that right? Xenu. Yep. Yeah. Xenu. All right. So whatever, um, you know, if you're a Scientologist and that works for you, you know, keep coming back, whatever. So, um, when I got sober, I had a really, I struggled really, really badly because one, um, I stayed sober for the first year almost out of spite because I was so outspoken and opinionated, same thing, and so negative and so arrogant and so, I mean, just a, not a yeah. fun person to be around in any way, shape, or form. And I'm not going to give you the satisfaction of relapsing. Yeah, yeah <laughs> and, and, I, and so... I had this guy, Don B. I'll never forget it. He was from, he was in Atlanta, but he was from New York. He always wore these like shades and he would, he would like poke me in the chest and he's like, you need to take the cotton out of your ears and stick it in your mouth. And I remember like hating him and, and feeling like you, you don't know me from Adam's house cat. Like, who are you to talk to me this way? And so I was like, I'll show you, I'll, you know, whatever. I, I effectively stayed sober out of spite. And then I ended up meeting a, and I ended up getting a, a sponsor who he didn't try and talk me down off the ledge. He just tried to introduce me to different, a different way of thinking. So when I finally calmed down, um, after that first year, 18 months, and I, I, I was a little more teachable, it became a little easier to, to understand that God for me was going to be something greater than a group of drunks or good orderly direction. That was all I could deal with at first. It was just like, look, I don't know how to do this. I know that I need God. Y'all, you know, the group, you know, the, the, the body of like, that will be God for me for now. And then, um, over the course of time, you know, I, and this isn't the burning bush thing, but I felt called. I felt like this is something I should like reduce my ego and take into consideration that there may be something that I'm not seeing. And so mm -hmm. I started going back to church very reluctantly with really the an, a mind to poke holes in every single passage and every single book. And I did. I mean that's that's effectively what I did is I I went in there with the intention to um, disprove rather than prove, but I was there nonetheless. And I felt like, you know what? I'm here. At least I'm here. You know, I haven't burnt, died yet. So anyway, over the course of time, the, the word spoke more and more. I mean, different sermons hit me harder because they were relevant in the moment. And I, and, and you, and a, you always hear there are no coincidences. And I thought mm -hmm. that was super cheesy. I was like, there are, of course there are coincidences, you know, anyway, um, but over time, like I started to see a change in me. I started to feel a change in the way I thought. And it was not because of anything other than I was following direction and I was just willing, whether it was spite, whether it was anything else, I was just willing to like do what I was told. That's reluctantly big piece, I think. And for any number of different reasons, they got into relationships too early I mean, like your story is unique in that for somebody like yourself who had been to prison, who had chronic relapse or like the relationship thing from, I would say 99% of sponsors would be a no go. They just oh, be yeah. like, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're not going to get sober because you're putting your, it's all codependency and da 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 da. Right. Well, and, and, I, and I'll point out, you know, the way we did it, 
we did counseling. Uh, she lived in her Oxford house. I lived in my, or uh, she lived in her sober living house. I lived in mine. We it was, you know, we had to if we realized that if we wanted this to work, we must do it correctly. You cannot be my higher power and vice versa. That thing. So, but yes, because that had been my number one kryptonite. Probably every single relapse was started by a relationship gone wrong. And you know what? Good on her for breaking up with you then. I know. Because. I was so pissed. <laughs> I obviously. I was like, you're going to break up with me? Well, I'm in here. I'll show you. I'll, I'll show me. you. Yeah. So. I mean, I think that, that, you know, relationships, putting relationships in early sobriety aside and letting God be the sort of focal point of the conversation. <clears throat> I was. I was sharing with you earlier, and I, and I think I articulated it probably pretty poorly, and I aim to do the same now. I do think that there's some sort of bizarre continuum that goes from just rank self-will, like aggressive atheism, mm -hmm. which is not really a – it shouldn't even be a term because an atheist who genuinely doesn't believe that there is a God isn't doing so aggressively. They're doing yeah. so because that they, they – they don't agree in it's principle. Like, it's like I don't believe in Voldemort, so I'm not going to be looking around every corner like afraid right. that he's going to get me. It's like a non-issue. For me, though, when I say aggressive atheism, it was really the God of the AA rooms, right? Mm. Like, you will believe in God. I was like, you will not tell me what to do. Right. I will do whatever I want. Are there things greater than me? Yes. But, you know, he doesn't have a beard. He's not hanging out in the sky. You know, that kind of deal. Good. Well, what's funny is I was having a conversation with someone about this recently, and in, in this, um, I've been reading about it too as well. But it's, I, I, and I don't understand how it's not clearer to most people though. But if you are just, if you, if if selfishness is our main problem, right? Um, and we are just given the edict to just go create some god for yourself like the chances that i'm basically going to create myself are extremely high right or that i'm just going to create this willy-nilly god that i can justify doing whatever i want <laughs> right. um because it's like even you know with like christians muslims jews uh hindus we they've got books that literally say what their god is and they still we still don't get it right so take any sort of guidelines away and yeah i'm gonna make some cuckoo stuff and then i'm gonna use it to justify my every action and then be baffled why i'm not getting the life results i want does that make sense it uh, makes perfect sense yeah. also just so that regardless of what religion or whatever your spiritual makeup is uh or what you believe in we're humans our capacity to understand God is, I mean, assuming God, let's just, I'm going to say there's a God, because that's what I believe in, and um, he's unknowable. I mean, uh, he, we, cannot, we cannot fathom all that God, all that God is. So in a, we're going to be able to document it, though, and that's going to be that's going to be sufficient right whether it doesn't matter if it's the quran the old testament i mean the torah rather the uh or the bible i mean trying to write it all down and, and whatever and say this is god and that's it it's very very it's i think that the likelihood of getting it perfectly right is impossible, impossible. unless it's unless it is divinely inspired right unless right. these are in fact the words of god and now we're into the whole you know interpretation of the bible topic which for me, I believe that the Bible is, I believe what the Bible says, right? Have there been, this is part of the conversation I was having with the guy we were talking about in the beginning of the show, which is how can you believe this? And I've had the same conversation with another sponsee of mine um, who, when we started, he was like, you're an intelligent guy. Like, how do you look yourself in the mirror and believe this? And I was like, man, that's a long, long conversation. Before we get into that, like I, I'm happy to to sponsor you, but I, um, 
you know, you can get another sponsor if you want, but I cannot sponsor you unless you're at least willing to consider the notion that there is something. Yeah. If there, if you don't have that will, like if that's not within you, then you're going to, my, my opinion, you're going to relapse. And he had before. Right. So, um, over the course of a number of conversations, he's a very intelligent guy too. We were talking through, um, he also knows that I meditate. And so he really likes talking about Buddhism and this, and, and all this sort of ties into what you were talking about before, um, having kind of this weird season in your life of praying, but not really being feeling close to. And, um, what I was explaining to him was pretty much in line with what you were saying. Like there are seasons that I have where I am, I feel like I'm, I'm really struggling and I'm really like, I sometimes even get resentful at God. I'm like, I don't know what the purpose is, but I could, I could use a little relief here. I could use just anything, just anything. And it happens on God's terms and it happens in God's way. And 99% of the time, it's really my perspective. So all this, I mean, this past year, I could be like all this, you know, it's been really hard and there's been bad things that have happened. Da, 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 da. But the, the, the fact of the matter is that I'm probably a much better person having dealt with that than I yeah. would have before. Like I have grown this year um, professionally and spiritually and it has been warfare, man. It has been really, really troubling in some respects. It's been sad. It's Go ahead. No, that's that's a great point because I always forget that I've never been to this point before. Like I'm assuming that I'm in charted territory and maybe that is where I'm getting this idea of like I should be feeling some sort of way. I think God knew that to even get me here, like in early sobriety, I needed an absolute, like I didn't need my handheld, like like the footprints poem, dude. Like he had to carry me through a lot of that. And as I'm growing now, I think the, he's letting the letting the line out, but I'm like, Oh, but wait, are you sure I'm ready? I'm not sure. But it's like, I forget. Yeah. I've never been to, I've never been sober for four years. I don't know what this is like. I've never been 31 years old. I've never been married. I've never been in a professional career. Like this is all brand new. So that, you know, you might've just hit unearthed something big there, but yeah. And I mean, it's true for, it doesn't matter if we are one minute sober or, or we've got 30 years. I mean, there are so many new things. We like, we never stop learning. And I know that sounds like super cheesy and like warm and fuzzy, but the only way that I'm able to not get completely crazy is to recognize this too shall pass. It goes back. And, and, and the reason I say that phrase and focusing on that phrase is to kind of tie back into the conversations I was talking about with Buddhism and that when I, you know, when I, when I was talking about Gene D and first getting sober and Doug, my sponsor who since he passed a cancer, but he would always beat into my head. You know, I, if I was having a great day, he would say this too shall pass. If I was having a horrible day, this too shall pass. And he, he would consistently remind me that like, the, my goal should be to know God in such a manner that it the highs are never too high, the lows are never too low because it just is. And being accepting of what's right in front of me in this moment without reservation and resentment. And that is an impossible thing to do consistently for me, but it's something that over time I have learned to do better. Um, yeah. And it, it, it's, it's just it's practice. It's being willing to practice. And, I, mean, I get irate. I get frustrated. I get egotistic. All these things happen. And, and at some point, I calm down. And I'm either laying in bed or I'm driving or whatever, I'm talking to a buddy, I'm talking to a stranger. doesn't matter. And it'll hit me. Uh, I didn't die. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's so stupid. But like uh, – yeah. As long as I have an opportunity to wake up tomorrow, then I'm going to have the opportunity to experience life on life's terms, which means that I'm going to have 
things that are sort of fortuitous and I'm going to have things that are, that, you know, I would prefer not happen. And over time it's realizing that in this moment, right this second, it's fine. Even when it, it like, it's been a long time since I like wanted to use in, in, in a way that was like of concern. But even then, if that were to happen, I mean, I think that I would get to a point and go, this will pass. I say that, but let's talk, yeah. let's talk next time when I, when I try to quit dipping again. And right, right. <laughs> I'm just, exactly, God, I'm not, we're not even going to talk about quitting nicotine today. Uh, no, no, but self, to kind of, it's all self-will, my friend. Yeah, no, no, not, you can have everything, Lord, but not, God, I shouldn't have <laughs> even not, said that. It's... Just leave it for now. Give me like, God. anyway, why did you even say that? But, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, to talk about why do people relapse? I can still, and I don't, you know, I am not sure it will ever fully go away, but my desire for relief is absolutely, absolutely still there. It, it morphs and changes, um, the things that are attractive to me today are something to quote wind down with uh, after a long day. That sounds great. Sometimes, um, can I? Could I ever really see myself? It is hard to imagine that I would fully commit to that lifestyle again and just go back out there for one good run. Like that's that seems pretty far fetched. Um, and I don't know if that's like, if that's even a good mindset to have, but that's, but really it's like, it seems like that would take a whole lot, but it's effectively a restatement of like a head full of AA. Oh man. Well, and, and in this case it would really be, it would be such, it would be such a like, all right, God, I'm a, I'm a, you know, we're going to press mute on you for a little bit and I'm just really going to go there's there, And you know, that's part of what the program teaches you is, is I've got, uh, shit ton of landmines in between me and that that will go off and like people will will hear the noise and come running and see what's up um but no i mean if i didn't have those tools like you know that that thing inside of me is is definitely still there for sure Um, so how do you talk to the newcomer like i was having this conversation with um a brother and a mom of these two people and trying to explain to them they're they don't they don't suffer from this disease so they don't have like they're like well you know maybe this individual should go to rehab and you know because i can't help them and i and I was trying to explain to both of them no man it's not our job to get these people sober Oof. it's not our job to keep them sober it, um and by the way like sometimes our best efforts hurt them are only like it's just enabling them that's that's literally my job is is to tell parents that so like i mean i had to do that on on friday you know what i'm saying so it's like how do you do that it is tough and you basically tell them this is the disease that is counterintuitive to common sense um hope for the best prepare for the worst uh all you know do Usually I try to turn it to go to Al-Anon, get <laughs> therapy for yourself. Um, you need to be at a place where you will be okay no matter what your son, daughter, wife, boyfriend, whatever, cousin, whatever they do that you'll be okay. And that's their only chance, you know. it's It sucks, like ha- having to tell someone like pretty much like, I think they're going to relapse, you know. I know they just did 90 days in rehab, but, like, they're probably going to relapse. I hate to tell you. Um, I had that exact conversation. Uh, you said you had that on Friday, so did I. Like, I yeah. literally had that exact conversation. And I felt – I feel worse now than I did then, and not as a result of this conversation, just because of how blunt I was. So, and, I mean, yeah, sometimes – Sometimes that's the only thing that's needed. I've been snowballed before. My parents have been snowballed before. You know, was that effective? I don't know. Probably not. Was that more... 
in, in I guess you ask yourself the question in not being blunt am I just trying to make myself feel better um you know what I'm saying or like is this probably what they need to hear it's that's I mean that, that's where you better be li- linked up with God and have that lead you because that's that's ugh, that's tough dude it is I mean I I, I I said to this woman uh this mother of that my sponsee look because I mean in in a little bit of context Everything that you talked about with your story, like how low you got, is what's happening with him. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just breaking into a car, stealing cash. I mean, just the, the incessant manipulation, constant excuses. The interesting thing is he hasn't really had that many consequences. Yes, he is od That is a consequence. But he still has a house over his head. He still has a car. He still has... ODs like, aren't really big ones because, in my experience, you don't remember them. So yeah. it's just like, every, yep. it's a big, it's a big consequence for, for everyone else, to everyone else. But to you, you're just like screwed up on hospital meds and like everyone's catering to you and crying around you. And you're like, what's going on? What I miss? Yeah. <laughs> but you know, but to everyone else, it's when I had to go to my first hospital visit of my best friend who was on life support, I was like, Oh, this yeah. sucks. Like this yeah. is awful. Um, uh, and so I'm, I'm like, I'm having that conversation and knowing full and well, like the chances that this guy gets sober based on what I know, in my opinion, and I'm not a doctor, not good. And I, and I said, I asked her Do you, if she thinks in her mind, if she's enabling him and she kind of got silent and I was, and I said, I don't mean to be ugly, but let me answer this question for you. Yes. You're absolutely enabling him, and you're enabling him because, like, it's not you're doing. You're not doing it maliciously. You're doing it because you love him, and you want to do anything you can to help. And but, you know, you're fed up. You're angry. You're resentful. I mean, you have all this stuff that's like it's impacting your life. At some point, you you may have to get to a point where you effectively accept that your son is going to die. Mm-hmm. You shut off all contact with him. Because the person you knew is not is no longer there, and I asked her if she's you know if she goes to Al-Anon, she said no, and I said, I think it's silly that you continue to to get in your hamster wheel and run and run and run, hoping to make headway, and you won't go to a program that will help you do just that, because the what you're doing is only making it worse both for you and potentially for him, and. Yeah. That I think that was an eye opener for, because uh, I don't think anybody's actually like spoken to her and said like, you know. Um, and it's like you might as well have said, okay, so imagine the hardest thing you could ever do in your life. That's what you're gonna have to do. Yeah, it's like ugh. there's no way around it. And- there isn't, and it's this is the thing too, though, and this is the thing with getting sober and relapsing, and and in all my experience and and different modalities of therapy and, and whatever, all that when it's, it seems like the only thing that rings true is when it's your time to get sober, it is your time. There ain't nothing someone's going to say or not say it's just your time. And if it's not, it's not. Um, and it's, but it's as far as what other people do to help them. I always act as if it's your time. Yeah, and I mean, I agree with that, but I, I think I would phrase it differently because how so? Um, I don't know that there's a time. I think that, and yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So when I was growing up, and uh, you know, you have your first girlfriend, she breaks your heart, and you kind of you're all weepy eyed like a little puppy, right? And then you just, and you know, people talk about like, well, she, you know, she wasn't the one, and you said so this whole concept of the one. Yeah. As you know, in hindsight, I don't know if there is the one or not. I mean, if that was the case, our divorce rate wouldn't be what it is. But there is there. Are, I think that. Yeah, because how do I know that this is even my time to get sober? Because it's yeah, it's like it's not sure. done yet. So, yeah, 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 I see what you're saying. But I think that at some point the question, are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? And are you done? If you answer those sincerely, yeah. like without reservation and this is the thing i think that every single person knows you have in your heart and in your head that sliver of doubt 
when you say something and you don't say anything about it? Like, are you done? And you're like, yes. And then the back of your head, you're like, hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, for the most part, I'm pretty, yeah, I'm done. Then yeah. that's not being done. Like, I, I think that are, you know, are you committed? And that's committed in the relationship, committed to the job, committed to being sober. You know what that means. Like when you commit to something, because I I know when I was using it, if I, oh, yeah. I, I was committed, committed, to, dude, I was I was pot committed. There was yeah. nothing that anybody was going to do to tell me. And this happens in my life now. If I know, there have been times where I should let something go, <clears throat> and I get a little bit off the beaten path because you know I'm interacting with the day and I don't take pause and I don't talk to God. Sometimes I even I even talk to God, but I do so insincerely because I'm like I'm talking to you, but I know you and I both know I'm I can't I, I have got to have this I've got to pick at this scab I've got to, and that is ego that is self will that is all of those things that are still alive and well in me 16 years later 15 plus years later and I do it a lot less than I used to I still do it and I think that when we were talking earlier about this continuum getting back to like the aggressive, you know, atheist versus the, you know, the, oh, the, the, the perfect, whoever that is, that, you know, that, that is 100% does everything that, that God wants. I guess Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know anybody other than that. Somewhere in that, and I'm not talking about like the devil in, in, in God. That's not what I'm getting at. I guess what I'm getting at is in our, within our like human capacity, we know that there is a continuum or inherent in our Inherent, and I think in, in our in our day to day thinking, we know that there's some like there's this continuum between how committed we are to doing the right thing, doing the right job, doing as good a job as we can. I mean, you, you have a wife, you know this. When certain times you have arguments, you know that you should just like that you're wrong, and you will still sneak in a but 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 what about? And it does it's irrelevant. And I do this, and we do. I think we all do it with the individual who is ends up relapsing. I think that, and going back to what you were talking about, your time to get sober, I, this is just my opinion. I think that anytime you can answer the question, are you committed honestly? It's your time. Anytime you are willing to, there's a, uh, when I was in law school, my, um, I had a buddy of mine that, that would remind, ask me this question. Andrew, is it better to be right or happy? And, you know, I, I'm sure I gave some flippant response then, like, I'm only right, I'm only happy when I'm right or some nonsense. But at the end of the day, it, that's that's what it comes down to. It doesn't, I can sit here and, like, belabor a point and make and, like, just beat a horse dead to convince that individual, whomever it is, that I am right and they are wrong whether it's my wife or my friends or a sponsor or sponsor or whoever. But sometimes it doesn't matter if you have all the facts. Yeah. It's how you use them, how you say, you know, it's, and you, and you, and this goes to what you were just talking about when we're talking to other people about the consequences, like a family member, being harsh is okay. Being harsh with malintent is not. Sometimes the, you know, what you say is not nearly as impactful as how you say it. And the the same is true, I think, um, abstractly with when when we're dealing with a problem in sobriety, and um, and maintaining conscious contact with God. If we're dealing with this problem in a way that genuinely we don't know the answer to, and we turn to God and trust that whatever is will be and, and should be, that's a different mentality than when we're like, yes, but. So when I ask a sponsor, "Are you done?" I, my expectation is that they, they, even if they're like, I am done, but I don't know how to do this, totally different person than, yep, I think so. I think so. I mean, I hope so. Like, And that was how all my questions were and answers were framed this time, too. It was all like, yeah, I hope I am. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I want to be. Um, I have no my experience shows me that I cannot be sober. How the hell do I do this? Um, 
you know, do whatever it takes to get there. Oh yeah. I mean, it was, I was, I was trying to stay in rehab. I wasn't trying to get out. I was like, you can't let me out there. Like I'm a monster, dude. Like, don't let me out. I can't do this. Inside your wife. Yeah, for real. It's like, no, no, no. I need like, I need much more time. Um, and, and that's, and that was, that was, uh, that was one of the last, when I was about to get out, one of the last questions I asked my counselor, I was like, how do I quit relapsing? And that was the answer he gave me. He was just like, he, he was like, you don't, you, you have to understand that like, it's a process. And if you build up your defenses, you're not going to, it's not going to be as simple as you just relapse. Like there's going to be steps in that process. And well, he's like, it's, it's not going to blindside you. It's the road to salvation too. Like how, as a Christian, how often have you asked yourself, how do I stop sinning? Yeah. I mean, you don't, you don't. I mean, relapsing is, is different in that. How do you stop relapsing? It takes time. The road gets progressively more narrow. And when yep. you first start it, you have a pretty wide berth, but you've got to, you've absolutely got to do the following things. And they give you a list. They go 90 meetings in 90 days, get a sponsor. Da, 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 da. They, they, they consistently, um, you know, read the big book, work the steps, call three people, go to 90 meetings in 90 days. You know, all the things that people tell you to do, uh, get involved in service work. Well, when you, when you come to Christ, you you go. How do I do this? Like now, what? Okay, great. I I've given my life to Christ. Now what? And yeah, it's interesting that whereas before I didn't know, now I I have indications. I don't, may not know what the right answer is, but I know when I'm doing dirt. I know when I'm not. Uh, dealing with something in the way that I should. I know when I'm being judgmental or when I'm being, you know, I do something with haste and 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 I'm and I'm kind of self-willing it. And my definition of self-will has changed dramatically. Like when we talked to him earlier, early in the conversation, is there, you know, the difference between self-will and God's will? For me, sometimes it's not that clear because hmm. if I'm doing something without God presence, without this moment right now being in servitude, then I'm doing my will. Well, that's that, that kind of makes up 99% of everybody's day, even in sobriety. I mean, right. And isn't, aren't we supposed to be, isn't, isn't that what God would want is like to see us go like, is, is that not faith in action is like, we are doing our will, but it lines up with his will. Yeah. Um, it's when we do our will that lines up with his will, it's it's that's in my opinion, it's because we maintain that conscious contact with God. Like, yeah. it's, it's a lot harder to when you get caught by your parents when you're a kid, it's a lot harder to lie to their face than it is like in passing, you know, it's uh, and, and <laughs> like, you know, if you're running away, did you take a cookie? No. But like you look at them right in the eye, look me in the eye. They can always tell because you smile, you twitch, you do some stupid thing. It's a lot yeah. harder to do, to you know, get sideways when you genuinely are putting your will in your life over over the care of God as you understand Him. And I know for me, when I pray, you know, tying this all back into prayer, it, I, I frequently, I mean, my prayers are some some are memorized, but most of the time it is I'm praying for an individual. And, uh, and when it gets to me, I don't pray for me to get certain things. I, I, uh, I, I spend some portion of that in repentance, like, you know, and in some ways you call it a 10th step, like reviewing how I could have handled things better, asking God to forgive me, and then ultimately asking for the knowledge of his will and the power to carry it out and not in this sort of insincere way. Like, Lord, I, I don't, I am a... I am a sinner through and through, and I know that, and, and I'm not trying to not be a sinner. What I'm trying to do is be a servant to you, and I'm hoping that with time, you will help me understand in a way that I get it. I, I mean, and it just, it's, it's, a, it's a maturation. I mean, it take, it's, a, it's not overnight. I mean, mm-hmm. you can do God's will right this second. Wait. And then next year, if you had to give them this exact same situation, do God's will, and they could be two totally different things. And it's because of 
you know, the road to salvation, right? I mean, it, it I, just takes time. I think that is also a massive key to why it's so tough um, for people coming out of a life of drug addiction in which I can literally transport myself to a land of pure imagination in two seconds. With one shot, I can completely change my life instantly. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about a growth over 16 years. And it's like it's these two massively different lifestyles, right? And and you get people because I, I remember, you know, early in my trying to get sober, I would hit those 90 days, six months, and I would be like, this is it? Like, this is sobriety? Like, no thanks. And I, would, I could never give it enough time for the, for the promises and everything to actually start coming true in my life. It's just a different, I mean, I don't know if that was like a keystone, but it's a, it is two completely different ways of living life, especially coming out of drug addiction or a See, life of drugs. And You're spot on. Just to, not to counter that, but I was thinking about, yes, you know, when, when you're, if you're a drug addict, you, you had to start somewhere. And what got you high in the beginning just became maintenance after some point. I mean, it was nothing else. And so you needed more. Um, and that just took time. The same is true here. I think that in sobriety, you can see immediate changes. Like you can be rocketed to the fourth dimension immediately. Yeah. And you see it happen all the time. You talk, people talk about the pink cloud. I mean, the pink cloud sets in quick. Real quick. It's just yeah. way pretty quick. Real and, quick too. But yeah. it that is that sort of immediate – it's the immediate fix. Like, oh, my God. Or as long as I don't use, I show up at work or whatever it is. And it's like this is crazy. I mean it's almost un, unfathomable. Like it's baffling to somebody who's living a different life without drugs and alcohol that things are happening or not happening that you know we're – destroying them before not happening now this 16 year thing is um i think it's out of context because for me like i said earlier i can do i can be presented with the exact same situation one year apart handle them both completely differently and still do god's will in each and it's because god's not going to give me any more than i can handle so that's that's interesting so it's so it's not that i'm like I'm being I'm waiting for that situation to happen again so that I can handle it better, although that, that happens too. It's that I can walk away feeling like I'm a servant, which is in its own right pretty gratifying um, and worth it. Uh, it's satisfying. Yeah, that's, I, I kind of had one of those recently where it was like, yeah, I walked away from a situation like I think I just did exactly like what I was supposed to do, and I didn't even really necessarily feel like you know, the words, the words flowed out from me, you know, with ease. And I don't even really remember thinking about what I was saying. And it just came in those moments of just being a conduit thing. But yeah, I think it's challenging, though, no matter how we do it, because we're, we're, we're like inundated with opportunities like that, both individually and then with other people. And for every time we do it right, we do it wrong a million times. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, man, this has been good. This has been good. I think we can wrap it up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, send us an email, churchandotherdrugs at gmail.com. Let us know how you pray, if you pray, if you don't pray. Uh, yeah. Let me know how your fantasy football team is doing. Mine is killing it this season. Killing that, it. Yep, that's important. It's so <laughs> important. <laughs> yeah, as for emails, uh, I, I'm, I'm obviously willing to answer them. Yeah. Yeah, yep, if you sure. uh, we can start a, a stump Andrew. I want to get Kenzie on here to talk with you too. So Kenzie, I'll throw that gauntlet out there. Um, uh, uh, look, I'm not looking to be stumped. Like this isn't a competition. I'm looking to stump you though. So okay. <laughs> I'll tell you this: if anything comes up where I feel totally like out in left field, I will be the first person to say I have no idea, and then I'll probably just make something up on the spot. All right, buddy. Thanks. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. Bye, y'all.
Why, 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 why